Moncrief on News Talk. Now, the movie Madam Web has gotten a bit of a critical kicking at the moment. There's even speculation that its star, Dakota Johnson, is slyly dissing it in promotional interviews because it must happen to actors that they appear in a film and afterwards realise that it wasn't really very good. So what do they do? Brian Lloyd from Entertainment.ie has been looking into this. Good afternoon, Brian. How you doing? Uh, so do you think Dakota Johnson thinks it's pants? Oh yeah, no, she definitely does, yeah. I mean, I, what I find so fascinating about Madame Webb having seen it and having to sit through it is it is a film nobody cared about. No one, either the director, the mm. writers, Dakota Johnson herself, when you watch it, it is a film that is made purely by people who just were just taking the money. And not even, you know, like there are plenty of examples of great films that were pop oilers that turned out to be fantastic. Like the best example I can think of that is, is The Fugitive mm. with Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones. And he ended up winning an Oscar for it. And you can see it. The Tommy Lee Jones was completely gobsmacked. It was like, I'm being nominated for this. <laughs> but um, in the yeah. case of Madame Webb, no, this is a film that was absolutely hacked to pieces in the editing room by, you know, completely clueless studio executives who were just trying to rearrange it to make corporate synergy. Um, and Dakota Johnson, when you watch it, I mean, this is a woman that wasn't even phoning it in. She was zooming it in. Like, it was just... <laughs> There's there is a level you can actually see her like uh, disassociate from herself as she's performing the roles. Like she's just there's a deadness behind the eyes mm. that is f- fascinating to behold. But in terms of fitting it into the actual film and the performances, not very good at all. Do Marvel movies then play uh, pay that much better than regular movies? hundred percent. That would make her accept this role. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean there is of course a bit of a retroactive. Um, kind of, you know, oh, I, it was a different film when I signed on and yeah, all the rest yeah, of it. Yeah. And, you know, it changed in post. And to be fair, I do think that that is accurate in this case. This film was originally meant to be set in like 1993, but then for some reason in post-production, they tried to update it to 2003 and all the rest of it. <laughs> because apparently the, the the rumor is, is that the original idea was, was that they were going to have Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man play a part in it but then they realised he wasn't going to come back so then they had to change it to Tom Holland's Spider-Man but then they realised that Tom Holland actually wasn't going to return as Spider-Man so then they had to kind of do up this sort of weird thing where Spider-Man couldn't be mentioned that's the level of BS that this film is dealing with oh god yeah okay it's terrible by the way it's absolutely like it's the worst film I've seen this year it will probably at the end of the year it will probably still be the worst film I've seen this year the the fact though that Dakota Johnson you know I don't know if she's saying it explicitly she thinks it's not very good but but she certainly seems to be insinuating she's definitely insinuating yeah 100% yeah well that will that affect her employability prospects in the future Listen, her, I was, as I was saying to you off air, her granny is Tippi Hendren. Mm. Her mother is Mel- Melanie Griffith. Her dad is Don Johnson. She is the nepoist of nepo babies. She'll be absolutely fine. And like, I'm not even saying that she's a bad actor. Not at all. I mean, you've watched her in something like The Lost Daughter with Olivia Colman and Paul Mesco. It's a Netflix film. She's fantastic in it. Like, she can act. Mm. But when she doesn't care, it is blatantly apparent. And you were saying money-wise, like, they really do pay well because like the small indie films like The Lost Daughter, they don't pay a hell of a lot. Yeah. I mean, comparatively speaking, mm. let's say. Um, so they generally tend to do like one of these like terrible Spider-Man, Sony action, whatever films and then they can go off and do the kind of 
the better, more artistically yes. um, in t- in integrity films, yeah. if you like. But looking like you do care, isn't that the heart of acting? No, that's, that is it. That's exactly <laughs> it. Like, it's so like it's you're being acting. paid more money than God. You can, tur- you can turn up for 20 days and pretend you care. And it's the same with the junkets as well. Again, you're being paid more money than God. People are coming in here and asking you very polite questions. Fine, there might be the odd one or two numpties, like what happened with BBC with Andrew Scott. I don't know if you saw that. But like you can smile and pretend and smile mm. and make nice. Like, come on. Yeah. Christopher Plummer didn't like the sound of music. He called it the sound of mucus. And in fact, <laughs> in fact, he had a standing uh directive for every time he was interviewed and I know this because there is a man in this building who interviewed him and he was told point blank by his publicist do not mention Sound of Music we will stop the interview midstream if you mention Sound of Music but Christopher Plummer apparently hated it he drank so much on set that he actually ballooned and he was eating and drinking so much to kind of keep the depression away that uh, he ballooned in size. And he famously called uh, being around Julie Andrews like being beaten over the head with a Hallmark card repeatedly. <laughs> Which, they're, maybe they're, not inaccurate. <laughs> maybe not inaccurate. I mean, there's a level of poetry to that that tells me that Christopher Plummer went through some stuff and was processing it. Now, look, I mean... Sound of Music is a great film. He was fantastic in it. And there you go. There's an example of Christopher Plummer. Christopher Plummer is a professional who turned up and did his job. And had he not gone out and said all these things, none of us would have been the wiser and he would have thought it was a great film and we would have thought he had a great time doing it. Yeah. And Alex Guinness didn't like Star Wars. That's a famous one. That's a very yeah. famous one. Yeah. In his one of his biographies, because he, I think he wrote like two or three of them, but he tells this story that... Some kid, some American kid uh, asked for his autograph and Alec Guinness, the way he describes it, it's like he was describing a serial killer at a young age. He said there was like a level of mania in the kid's eyes. (laughs) And the kid said like, oh, I've seen Star Wars A New Hope like 40 times or 50 times. And then he apparently told the mother, and again, this is, you know, probably just him being witty or something like that, but he apparently said... I'll sign this for you if you promise me never to see that film ever again. 40 times is enough. And the mother apparently was like beaming with pride that the son had seen this film 40 times. Yeah, he hated it. Now, to be fair, all of them hated it. Like Harrison Ford as well famously said to George Lucas that you can write this stuff, but you can't say it. And you go back and watch A New Hope, the first film. Mm. And the lines are just desperate, desperate, clunky as hell. Like, and everyone thought it was going to be terrible. This is the thing: the only actor apparently that had any kind of a caught, had any kind of hope to it, was Alec Guinness. He actually asked for a percentage of the profits as opposed to being paid outright. So he became quite a wealthy man as a result of it. Like, so (laughs) irony there. Yeah, it's a bit like I think he kind of realized that like popular culture was was going to have a moment in the seventies, like and kind of cottoned on pretty quick that even if he thought this was terrible, this was going to make a shit ton of money in yeah. French. Uh, now, and, and Boogie Nights, which is objectively a, it, it's a fantastic film. film yeah. and, and I don't know what stage, because Burt Reynolds kind of made a comeback in the, in the last part of his career and this was part of that, but he hated it. He hated it. Now, I think part of the reason was, was because he clashed quite a lot with Paul Thomas Anderson, the director, who... 
I mean, based on interviews and based on kind of what I've read about him and all the rest of it, like I don't think Paul Thomas Anderson is one of those directors that it, people would necessarily clash with. In fact, he is a, a, a director that kind of routinely uses the same actors again and again, mm. which is always a good sign. He always kind of has a little bit of a troop around him. But yeah, seemingly Burt Reynolds constantly clashed with Paul Thomas Anderson. And I think part of it was, was that Paul Thomas Anderson was one of those directors that started quite young. Like, I think he was like... I think he was only like about 31, 32 when he did Boogie Nights. And of course, Burt Reynolds at that stage was well into his 70s, had done hundreds of films with very, very well-known directors and had this great wealth of knowledge. So when he sees this young lad coming in saying, OK, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And this hasn't been done before. And Burt Reynolds was like, yeah, no, that actually has been done before. <laughs> I saw such and such do this and this was done before. Um, and I think as well was the fact that, you know, Boogie Nights... I mean, this is a sort of, a, I guess, a, a a poetic reading of it, if you like. It is about the film industry. Like, yes, it's about the porn industry, but it's also about the film industry yeah. and the idea of, you know, corporate interests kind of creeping in and sort of removing any kind of artistic integrity about it. And Burt Reynolds, who was a great actor... Um, didn't really kind of go in for any of that sort of uh, sentimentality about acting, you know, that sort of way, or the industry itself. Like, mm. he was very much pragmatic about it. And I'd say, and this is just my read on it, I'd say he probably clashed with the sentimentality that Paul Thomas Anderson was trying to elicit in Boogie Nights. But again, it's a, a, this is another example of an actor who hated the film hated being in the film, but you'd never know what to look at it. Like, he's yeah, fantastic, true. isn't it? Yeah, it's one true. of his best roles. Huge difference. Uh, Mick and Lusk says, you're not allowed to ask about Michelle Pfeiffer in Grease 2. Don't know why it's class. It's, I, um, <laughs> I mean, Mr. Man in, in Lusk, that's your opinion, if you want to say that. Um, I saw Grease 2. It's terrible. Yeah. It's absolutely awful. And did she say she didn't She like hated it. Yeah. She hated it. And like, to be fair to her, like she was open about the fact that she was like, look, I was young, I needed the money, and, you know, Grease was a huge hit, and there was every kind of hope that this would be a really good movie, and it wasn't. But, you know, I mean... That's like a pub quiz question, you know, that sort of way. Like, no one really remembers Grease too. like, so. Uh, Dakota Johnson was the same with the Fifty Shades franchise. Yeah, and like, to be fair, it's become a bit more of a thing recently as well. Like, I mean, you have Robert Pattinson. Uh, I remember there was an interview that a buddy of mine did with Robert Pattinson for, I think it was for the last Twilight film. And before he before the cameras turned on, there's a famous scene in uh, Twilight Breaking Dawn where these Irish vampires turn up. Mm. And they are literally like wearing iron jumpers and the flat caps. Like, it's hilarious. And I was at the premiere screening of that film and the entire audience broke into spontaneous, bursting their holes laughing at it. Like, And Robert Pattinson asked my buddy, he was like, did you actually see the Irish vampires wasn't it ridiculous like wasn't it so stupid and then the cameras turned on it was like okay now I'm into professional mode but since that um, Robert Pattinson has been saying how terrible the Twilight films are and Kristen Stewart as well has been like those films are absolutely terrible and I was very young and just needed the money and needed the boost that it gave me so like it's becoming I think it's becoming a bit more okay to kind of dog in the films that you were doing as a younger actor and all the rest of it like and it's I think it's good. Like, I mean, what Dakota Johnson is doing on this press tour, I think, like, I know myself, I do a lot of interviews with actors. They are being media trained to within an inch of their lives. They cannot even go outside of an official script. And if they do, there's usually a a small army of PR people who are ready to shut down Mm. immediately. Like, so I think her level of honesty, I think, is good. I think that's actually, it's worth people saying, hey, I was, this film is terrible. But, uh, you know, whatever, I did it. Like, yeah. 
Fair enough. Brian, thanks a million. As ever, Brian Lloyd there. Moncrief, weekdays at 2 p.m. on News Talk.